part of the Podcasters Network. It's the Quiz Guy Podcast, the only fun fact and quiz show on the Podcasters Network. Hey everyone, I'm Andrew, and thank you for joining me for the 12th time here at Quizneyland. Here at Quizneyland, I will be bringing you fun facts and trivia from all aspects of the Walt Disney Company. On this episode, we will cover The Year of a Million Dreams, John Ratzenberger, Annette Funicello, and Sunday Night Football. So let's get started on a high note with something I like to call, Did You Know? Did you know cast members and guests at Disneyland and Walt Disney World would give out free Tinkerbell pins during the Year of a Million Dreams promotion? Beginning in 2006, cast members could spontaneously present these pins to guests who were observed performing random acts of magic for others in Disney parks. These pixie dust pin packs featured two Tinkerbell pins that read, Where Dreams Come True. One card reads... One for you, and the other reads, one to give. The back of the one for you card reads, just wanted to spread the magic by giving you this exclusive pixie dust pin. After all, this is a place where dreams come true. Now you can spread a little magic of your own. Simply detach the card with the pin below and give it to another Disney guest. It's the perfect way to make dreams come true. And once the guest gave the other card to another guest, they could read the back of that one and see it read, just wanted to spread the magic by giving you this exclusive pixie dust pin. After all, this is a place where dreams come true. These pins could be given out by any cast member during the promotion and are different from pins given out by the Dream Squad during the same promotion. Have you received one of these pins? If so, let us know, because uh, I surely haven't, and it would be cool to know somebody that had. And, you know, what did you do to receive such a pin? Um, yeah. So that is all for this time on Did You Know? We will be back with the Quizneyland Quiz after a short word from our sponsor. Listen here, Belle. How do you read these books? They have no pictures in them. Ah, I know. With Pictable. Pictable converts all the works of your favorite book writers and turns them into picture books so illiterates like me can understand. From Charles Dickens to Tom Clancy, Pictable has the books you're looking for. Use code word GASTON at checkout for a free month of Pictable. That's G-A-S-T something something at checkout for a free month of Pictable. And we're back, and it's time for the Quizneyland Quiz. Here at the Quizneyland Quiz, I will be asking you 
three trivia questions of increasing difficulty. You will have about 30 seconds to come up with your answer. If you have not figured it out about halfway through, I'll jump in with a little hint. If you don't get the answer right, no big deal. At least you learned something. Let's get started with question one. What was the first Pixar movie to not feature the voice of John Ratzenberger? This film was directed by Pete Docter. Time's up. The answer is Soul. This was the first film to use the likeness of John Ratzenberger instead of his voice. The cameo is 68 minutes into the film when Joe chases 22 into the subway station. Uh, the character looking like Ratzenberger is wearing a white shirt and a red necktie. Pixar's next film, Luca, was the first film to not include Ratzenberger in any form. When asked about not including him, director Enrico Casarosa said, I wanted to start a new tradition, putting Peter Sohn's voice in every movie. Have no idea if anyone will keep it up after us. It looks like nobody took him up on his new tradition, but Ratzenberger also did not return in Pixar's latest film, Turning Red. Let's move on to question two. What did Annette Funicello receive from Walt Disney for her 16th birthday? This gift could be considered a job to some. Time's up. The answer is a role on the Disney television series Zorro. Playing Anita Cabrillo in a three-episode storyline about a teenage girl arriving in Los Angeles to visit a father who does not seem to exist, this role was reportedly a 16th birthday present from Walt Disney because he knew that it was Annette's favorite show. It was the first of two different characters she played opposite Guy Williams as Zorro. From there, Annette went on to star in films like The Shaggy Dog and record hit singles like Pineapple Princess. Now it's time for... The final question. In what year was ESPN's Sunday Night Football launched? that same year, the New York Giants won the Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos.
Time's up. The answer is 1987. ESPN's Sunday night football games would become the highest rated NFL telecast for the next 17 years before losing the rights to NBC in 2006. The channel's decision to broadcast NFL games on Sunday evenings actually resulted in a decline in the viewership for daytime games shown on the major network broadcasts, uh, making it the first time that ESPN had been a legitimate competitor to NBC and CBS, which had long dominated the sports television market. Um, ESPN's parent company, Capital Cities ABC, would eventually be acquired by the Walt Disney Company in 1995, which included the then-president and COO of ABC, Bob Iger. Well, that's our show. Thanks so much for playing. I hope you had fun and possibly learned something. And until next time, this has been our trip into... Quizneyland! Disneyland is a proud part of the Podcateers Network. Our music was done by Cirque Dumas. Don't forget to follow Quizneyland on Instagram or join the Podcateers channel on Discord. Send any comments, questions, or suggestions to Quizneyland at podcateers.com. Part of the Podcateers Network. Hey everybody, it's Andrew. Um, I realized that this episode's a little short, so if you stuck around past the credits, um, you get an extra little fun fact. Here's something I couldn't really fit in anywhere in a question, but I thought it was a fun thing to know. So there's a point in Disneyland where three different designs meet, and this is in Tomorrowland. Underneath the monorail beam where the former smoking area is, um, there's three different fences that butt up into each other. And it's just something interesting that doesn't really fit into the form of the show, but, you know, something that you could notice next time you're at the parks. Yeah, so um, that's a fun little fact. I don't have a name for this segment. It's the after the uh, credits segment where Andrew rambles a little bit for um, making up time in a shorter episode. So there you go. Go look at the um, fences in the former smoking area near Matterhorn. Um, Yeah. Okay. That's it. Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye. Hey everyone, Andrew again. Um, I realized after editing all this that it was a little longer uh, than a normal episode. So I'm just going to include this uh, little segment here and it'll be a longer episode than normal. Um, Disregard, I guess, what I said in this earlier thing. And the longer I talk here, the longer this episode gets. So I'm going to stop talking now.